Prophets have guided God's people through persecution, idolatry, fear, and famine. They are ordinary men called to rise up to extraordinary moments. Today, we continue to be led by Jesus Christ through a living prophet. One of his chief directives is to care for the poor and needy, and rightfully so. For who would we be if we were to preach of Christ while neglecting the very souls to whom he would minister? I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. One of the times I've been blessed by following the counsel from a prophet is being able to strengthen my ability to hear Christ. And that has helped me um, be able to find direction in my life when, um, especially during this time in the world, it's so easy to become lost. As a young man, I remember going to a fireside, the Six Bs fireside that President Hinckley gave. And there were some really specific instructions that he gave that just absolutely changed the trajectory of where I was headed with my friend group, uh, some of the decisions I'd been making, and it really blessed my life to just follow specifically what our prophet had asked us to do. Year after year, I am astonished at how pertinent the revelation that we hear from our living prophets is if we will only listen, and I'm talking to myself, and if I will only pay attention to what they're saying, because it's magnificent. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, today's discussion topics come from our studies from the books of Amos and Obadiah. And the first topic we're going to discuss today is the Lord reveals truth through his prophets. And the second topic is caring for those in need. And to help us with our discussion today, we want to first welcome back one of our scholars, Patrick Mason. Patrick, welcome. Thanks. Always good to be here. Patrick is an associate professor of religious studies and history at Utah State University. And our special guest today, seated next to Patrick, is Doug Jackson. Doug, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Doug Jackson is the CEO of Charity Vision International, a humanitarian organization that restores lives through sight all around the world. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So Doug, I'm curious, your, your work takes you all over the world. Anything stand out to you as far as what you've seen in your travels and, and uh, how that has kind of shown you what God can do with quote unquote ordinary people? As I travel the world, and I'm gonna take it away from maybe the humanitarian, but I get to brush shoulders with you know, just members of the church. I mean, we always like to go to church, and it's amazing to me what the Lord is able to do, and you can, you almost pick them out of the crowd. I think once you have the Holy Ghost, and once you have that uh, perspective, and you're, you're dedicating yourself to try to be inspired to do certain things and to be the best you can be, it's amazing how members of the church kind of just rise and uh, so I'm not surprised that Heavenly Father can just take almost anybody uh, and, uh, and, and, br and bring them to that, you know, that point where all of a sudden they're a prophet and representing him here on earth. Thanks, Doug. Okay, so let's get into our first topic. The Lord <clears throat> reveals truth through his prophets. So what do we know specifically about Amos? So Amos, I, I love Amos because Amos kind of comes out of nowhere. So he's from a, a little village called Tekoa, uh, which is kind of a little village on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And he's just a sheep herder and, and a farmer. He, he, he has fruit trees, right? And he just gets this call from God out of nowhere. 
So he's, he's not a priest. He's, he's not part of like some important family or something like that. He's just a shepherd, right? <laughs> uh, he's just an ordinary guy who gets the call from God. And so he goes from his home and goes to prophesy to the northern kingdom in Israel. Okay, so we have an ordinary guy who's called to do some Pretty extraordinary things. Extraordinary things, things. And, and, he's, and he's bold. Yeah. And, and when he goes there, of course, they don't necessarily like the message that he gives, so they kick him out and okay. send him back. But, but he's just an ordinary guy with an extraordinary calling. Okay. What specific truth or teaching has had special meaning to you that has come from a prophet? Melissa. So there's actually a general conference talk given, and I can't remember who was, it was by directly, but um, he talks about... Um, receiving a new calling. And um, when you're in that calling, remembering that God is the one directing you and um, helping you in that calling. And I was recently called to a new calling to be in the stake release study presidency. And that was really daunting for me. But um, as I remembered that talk, I remembered that God was the one who's going to lead and direct me and guide me. And I've been able to help others through that calling because the Lord is helping me. And how does that make you feel, just in general, when knowing that uh, you could implement immediately something that, you know, you hear from a prophet and, and see the blessings uh, from it? I, I love it because I feel like that's the Lord showing me that he knows me, he loves me, because he's given me that direction from the prophet, which anyone can use, but it's um, helped me in many times personally in my life. So it shows me that God loves me and that the prophet is a prophet and that he is being directed by the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Musa. Okay, so in the book of Amos, there's one of the most well-known verses, Amos chapter three, verse seven. As it's written in the King James Version, it says, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. But in the Joseph Smith translation, if we see it side by side, it reads, surely the Lord God will do nothing until he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Why is that word change significant? I think on the, on the one hand, in, with, with the way that we have it in the King James, uh, there, there could be a way that um, it's, it's kind of like God tells the prophets everything, right? Okay. Um, and we know that's not necessarily uh, true. I mean, the, the prophets don't know everything that God knows, right? Um, but with this, this little change of word that until he revealeth, it, there's a sense that prophets are called to give a warning to the people, okay. right? That God, precisely because of his mercy, right? He's, he's not gonna send destruction. He's not gonna send these, these things uh, and, until he's sent a prophet to warn the people. Prophets are here to warn us about the cause and effect of sin. Okay. Right? So it's, it's, it's not just like, they're, they're not like telling in a, you know, looking in a crystal ball, right? It's like, this is what happens when you're sinful, when you pursue this course, then, then these things are going to happen. Prophets are sent as a gift to warn us about the consequences of our behavior. Okay. What goes in my mind is, you know, the, the ears to hear. You know, the saying that you read a lot, I think in the New Testament, you know, <laughs> those who have ears to hear. I have heard from our prophet the last couple of conferences, and, and maybe I have a different personality. I like to get maybe slapped across the face and told what to do and make it plain and simple. But he's pretty much said, if we, you know, the status quo isn't going to cut it anymore. Mm. And he's pretty much said, if, if that's what you're relying on, your testimony and your, your, your ability to communicate with God as it is right now, is how you're going to just keep it that way. You're, you're complacent with that. It's not going not to cut it for you in the future. 
And uh, I, I enjoy hearing President Nelson give us a little bit of words of warning and telling us to step up a little bit. Yeah, for profits, the status quo is never good enough, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, they are always here to remind us that we can do better. Okay, so let's, let's get some examples. Uh, we've talked about how one of the roles of a prophet is to warn us. When have you been blessed for heeding the warning of a prophet? Ron. When I was young, all we heard about was getting that food storage. <laughs> um, my first wife, who since passed, um, had some real problems and it had affected my being able to work. And since I'm an attorney by trade, if I'm not working, the money is not going in and there's no one else to throw money at you. But I had that stuff down in my basement in the cold storage and we lived off that. I don't know how we would have made it, but it, it was beyond just having enough to eat. Um, there always seemed to be money to pay the bills as they came due. And Ron, how has that affected or strengthened your testimony in Modern Prophets? It has taught me that no matter what they're saying, no matter how much I may struggle with it, sometimes I may have to put it over on a shelf for a while and just let it percolate. But ultimately, if I give it the time that it needs, the blessings do come. I, I love what you said about putting something on the shelf. If it doesn't sit right at first, is there value in that when we hear from prophets of giving it time to kind of sink in so we can kind of develop that testimony of what they're saying? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, there's different models. Sometimes it's like, and, and the, sometimes there's a kind of urgency. It's like, okay, I just need to, to go and do, right? right? There's the kind of Nephi model. But there is also, you know, the prophets, one of the things that they regularly teach is you need a witness of the Holy Spirit, right? Don't just trust what I say, right? Okay. But you need a witness from the Holy Spirit. And for some people that comes immediately and, and, and they hear the words of the prophet and they say, and, and the Spirit just tells them that's true. You need to do that. Other times, you know, that doesn't come immediately. Okay. And, and so being able to kind of wait on the Lord for that confirmation, uh, to, sometimes that understanding to come uh, before you can feel confident moving forward. Okay, I, I agree with you. What do we see uh, as we compare a world with a prophet versus a world without a prophet? And, and what are some of the things that we can learn about the value that we have now living in a world where we have modern prophets who receive revelation? One of the things, I mentioned I went to Ecuador. So it was mainly Catholic. Um, but since then, I've traveled to many different countries, you know, Hindu nations and Muslim nations, all wonderful people with yeah. great beliefs and, and lifestyles. Um, but I was so impressed on my mission when I was able to teach our investigators that we had a living prophet today. And I didn't realize until then maybe how unique that was. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that our church is unique and that we have a living prophet that knows you know, current counsel and can help us in today's, with today's issues because most every other religion out there doesn't. They, they, they don't have, you know, it's, it's counsel of mm -hmm. people just kind of talking or voting and, or, or it's individual, you know, smaller congregations that are just coming up with their own guidelines. And uh, that, was, that was a neat thing for me as a missionary to kind of realize just how blessed we were. And, and the, our investigators were usually pretty impressed as well. Like, wow, what? You have somebody <laughs> that will talk to you today? Yeah. Uh, it's a new concept that I, I think most of us take for granted. Yeah, I would love to hear from the audience on any thoughts or questions that you have on what we've been talking about today. Mark. 
One of the thoughts I keep thinking about is, you know, you mentioned that it's not completely given to them because they're prophets, they're, they're regular good people living their lives. Um, when President Nelson a few years back talked about it being an unprecedented conference, even he said, this is not what I expected. This isn't what I meant. But you look at how the church and how the, the prophets had had things revealed to them, all of these things I think have led us to a place where we can be prosperous in spite of really difficult challenges happening all across the world. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the Lord reveals to the prophets what they need to know to tell the people, right? Uh, uh, I don't think there's any indication that the prophets know everything, right? They have to seek revelation too. And, and they have to, uh, some of the prophets talk about, you know, struggling to get that revelation mm -hmm. and, and waiting on the Lord and, and really pleading with them. So, so the Lord tells us what we need to know, not always everything we would like to know. <laughs> So Patrick, we see some differences in ancient versus modern prophets. So what can we say about the way in which modern prophets receive revelation? So there's a great quote from President Nelson where he actually describes how revelation comes to prophets and apostles today. He said, as we wrestle with complex matters, a thrilling process unfolds as each apostle freely expresses his thoughts and point of view. Though we may differ in our initial perspectives, the love we feel for each other is constant. Our unity helps us to discern the Lord's will for his church. We listen prayerfully to one another and talk with each other until we're united. No member of the First Presidency or Quorum of the Twelve would ever leave decisions for the Lord's church to his own best judgment. So I really like this notion that, that, that it's, the revelation comes through counsel, through mm -hmm. them talking together and receiving revelation together before they move forward. How does that help instill confidence in those that are listening to prophets, knowing that this is the process and how it works? Well, for me, it's confidence knowing that the revelation is, is coming to multiple people to, together, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, that there is a kind of check and balance okay. uh, in, in that, that that we see in, in the modern church uh, that, that, that to me gives, gives me a lot of confidence in the process. All right, thank you. Uh, we had another comment from Ray. Well, we need to take counsel from, from the prophets because many times they are trying to warn us about things that can happen. Uh, the thing they try to do is, is help us to improve our lives, to make things better for us and for other, other people. The Lord uh, will forgive us for many things, and, and uh, he's told us that we will be forgiven, but we have to uh, change our ways, and we don't change our ways. There's consequences, and we have to remember those things. Thank you, Ray. And is there a specific uh, time where you listened to the counsel from a prophet and, and that changed your life? Well, I, I tried to uh, study and listen to prophets all my life. And uh, so I, uh, I just read the scriptures and uh, try to see where uh, the examples that are set in those scriptures would apply to me and my life. And there's no one particular thing that uh, I can say that really made a change, but it just I grew up and, and learned everything as a, a, a tried to learn everything that I was, I was taught and taking classes and, and uh, try and follow the example of, of the prophets. And it's led to a pretty good life, huh, Ray? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that. And you know, 
it's kind of hard to separate these two topics that we're talking about today with prophets and the truths that they, they deliver to us and just love, charity that continually exists. Because, I mean, that's the, the core of their message over mm -hmm. and over because we're so bad at, <laughs> at remembering it, yeah. right? But to love one another, to take care of one another, to remember the poor, to take care of the poor. I mean, over and over and over. And if we remember, where is that truth coming from? Yeah. You know, it, they are delivering a message from our heavenly parents to, to us on how to live, you know, better lives. And, and a lot of that is in, in large part due to showing love towards others. Well, thank all of you for your comments. And this has been a great discussion on our first topic. The Lord reveals truth through his prophets. A couple of years ago, um, there was a neighbor of mine that had been really struggling with her health. And she'd been a Relief Study president. She'd done all these different things. And um, as, she, as she got a new calling as a primary teacher, one of the things that she did was just reaching out individually to each of her kids and Shortly after being called, she was given a diagnosis of terminal cancer, and she wanted to help serve my children. It was so amazing to see her, even in the final few weeks of her life, coming over to our house, bringing things to my daughter. Um, it really touched my heart to see, even in the most difficult circumstances during the most difficult challenges, she wanted to serve and lift others. And it made me think about, how can I do that? How can I lift someone, even if it's one small thing that I can bless the lives of others? So uh, moving on to our second topic, uh, caring for those in need. Uh, and we touched on it a little bit with our other topic, just the role of prophets. Patrick, do you mind speaking to us a little bit about um, why this theme comes up whenever we talk about prophets and their role. Yeah, I mean, this is just a consistent theme throughout the Old Testament and really throughout all of the scriptures uh, for the prophets reminding us to take care, especially of the poor, the stranger, <clears throat> the widows, the orphans, right? Those, those whom society oftentimes forgets. And, and we see this in Amos as, as he comes to the northern kingdom of Israel. Again, this is a prosperous society. They're doing pretty well, but, but he sees there's a kind of dark underside of that, that they're not taking, some, some of the people who are doing well are doing it at the expense okay. of, of other people. So we see this, and he, and he hits on this over and over uh, in, in these teachings. So we, uh, let me just highlight a couple of them. So in chapter four, verse one, uh, he talks about the people which oppress the poor, which crush the needy. In chapter 5, verse 11, he talks about those who are treading upon the poor. Chapter 8, verse 4, he talks about those who swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. Right? I mean, just really evocative words. I mean, but this, this is, he's not just saying it once and letting it go. This is something that, that the people then need to hear and probably something that we need to hear today. So uh, we had a question that came in from uh, one of our viewers uh, that I'd love to get thoughts from both of you and from our audience on how we can help them answer this question. Hi, we're the Benton family and we're from New, New York, York City. City. <laughs> so living here in the city, we pass people every single day who need food, clothing, shelter. Uh, and it's hard sometimes to think about preaching the gospel to people whose needs are much more physical and urgent. And so our question is, how do we show charity towards the people around us, unlike the covenant people in the time of the prophet Amos? How do we show charity to the people around us? I think maybe it starts with having eyes to see. 
okay. what's right in front of us. I, th I think sometimes we can, uh, and even just the way our neighborhoods are set up and things like this, that, that, that sometimes we don't see the problems that are even in our own communities. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes it takes uh, maybe doing a little research or maybe talking to local people who are on the ground doing these kinds of things to, to see, you know, what are the issues in my community? Not all the way around the world, although that's good too, right? right? It's, it's all good, right? But, uh, but, you know, Amos wants to, to point us to the people right in front okay. of us. It was something that I teach my kids, uh, and it's worked well for me, uh, is eyes to, eyes to see is, is critical. I, I tell them, if you make part of your morning prayer, mm. and you're sincere, and you have some integrity in your heart, and you say, Lord, help me find somebody to help serve today. Help me lift somebody up or put somebody in my path. If you say that and you're sincere about it, I guarantee you as you go through your day and you see that person on the, on the corner with a, a flat tire or someone that looks a little sad, um, it pops into your head and you say, you know what, I asked for that this morning and here it is. And it kind of forces you and helps you to become more charitable, you know, and make it, you just, you internalize it. Every day I'm praying for an experience to be a charitable person. And if every day I have the eyes to see it, and I see somebody who looks sad, or I see somebody whose their bag of groceries just feels spilled all over the ground, you know, then I just tell myself, well, this is my opportunity. I asked for this miracle of the Lord, and he gave it to me. And what about from our audience? Uh, how can we help this uh, cute family from New York answer the question, how do we show charity to those people around us? Kimberly. Uh, yeah, as... Everything's been going on and shifting in the world. I think the way that we can give charity is just being able to listen to someone else, really being able to watch their emotions and say, hey, like, you, you know, I'm seeing this emotion on your face or that tone of voice you have is a little different, like, hey, what's going on? Let me sit down and listen to you. And it's really helped strengthen my relationship both in the home but also with my coworkers when we're in virtual meetings and I see that people are, you know, oh, just giving looks or it seems like their child's in the background, like bugging them and just sending them a message afterwards and saying, you know, hey, how's everything been going? How are your projects going? Kimberly, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think sometimes we, we can... We can get so caught up on the physical side of charity, like I have to be giving this or I have to, it has to be something monetary, uh, when the reality is charity is that deep, pure love of Christ um, that we show towards others. Doug, in your experience, what can you tell us about how, how you have seen uh, both sides of charity from the physical side and then charity that comes from within in other ways that are not physical? First of all, I think charity uh, is, is when our soul connects with something divine. I think that's why it feels so good. I think it's Heavenly Father. It's, it's divine touching our soul and saying, you're doing the right thing. Or Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. When, when we go on trips, I mentioned that I like to bring uh, my, my kids when they were younger. And a lot of our donors, we don't do a lot of trips, but occasionally we'll take a donor and, and his family and his kids. Uh, the donor does a great job because they give big money and they want mm -hmm. to see their hospital they built or something like that. But they bring their children along and they're disconnected to that. They usually come and they just start interacting with the kids and interacting with the patients. And, and uh, so they're having just as great of an experience, if not better, because they're actually connecting that one-on-one. -on -one. So I don't think it necessarily has to be, you know, connected to a, a dollar donation or mm -hmm. a thing. If it's just going and experiencing 
uh, you know, somebody else and experiencing this gift that you give to somebody else of happiness or comfort or joy. That's so great. I mean, that, that it's about um, it's about transforming us, right? It's that that ultimately God wants to to work, you know, to to transform our hearts, so to then enable us to go out and do more good, right? So it's it's not just a one off thing. And and one of the things that that Amos is really concerned about uh, in terms of these people is that they'll they'll be religious and they'll do all the religious things, but but not with the the right intent. Uh, and so he says, it's a very powerful passage in chapter five where Amos says, uh, and he's channeling the Lord here, and this is very strong language. Uh, chapter five, verse 21, I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies, you know, the things they were burning, their sacrifices. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take away from me the noise of thy songs. I won't hear the melody of thy, thy, thy vials. But let judgment run down. Another translation of that is justice. But let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. So he's not saying stop being religious, right? Stop doing your offerings and so forth. But he says if, if you're doing that without the right heart, if you're doing that without justice and mercy and righteousness, he says, I don't want any of that. Yeah. What I want is for this to transform you, to turn, in, turn you into a different person. They're missing the boat, and that's what the, these prophets are saying, is that giving, giving a, 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 a generous fast offering or, or, or paying your tithing or going to the temple, and if, you're, if that's just you're doing it to just to check the box, you're missing the whole purpose of the, the commandment. You know, you should be, it should be affecting you personally. You should feel it. You should be engaged in it, and it's transformative on how it affects you and changes you as a person. And if you're just saying to you know, somebody, hey, I pay my tithing, I give a fast offering, I, I'm, I'm good, you, you missed it all. And uh, you know, as, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this is something that when we're, we're baptized, that we promise to do. And uh, Sister Sharon Newbank, she has a great quote that talks about uh, that covenant that we make at baptism. She says, as baptized members of the church, we are under covenant to care for those in need. Our individual efforts don't necessarily require money or faraway locations. They do require the guidance of the Holy Spirit and a willing heart to say to the Lord, here am I, send me. Yeah, I mean, you know, when she talks about it being a covenant, I mean, this is what we've learned about all year <laughs> throughout the Old Testament is the power and importance of covenants. These are the most sacred promises we make. And embedded in this promise to follow Jesus means to follow him to the people that he went to. To the, to, the, to the poor, to the blind, to the deaf, uh, to those who are in need spiritually and physically. Uh, and as Sister Eubank says, it's, it's not just people in faraway places. We all encounter these people every day in every part of our lives. That's what we're called to do. It's, it's a little paradigm shift, but when you see somebody who's struggling with something, you may say, what a trial they have to bear. You know, well, I wonder, you know, I hope they do well with that trial. And sometimes I have to remind myself, no, I'm the one with the trial. Yes, I'm watching them and I'm not doing anything. I'm the one on the, the, the hot seat. I'm the one being tested because they're put in my path and I'm failing because I didn't do anything about it. The one that's really being tested may not be the one that's struggling, but it's the one that's just watching and not doing anything. So it kind of shifts the whole thing of maybe the trial of us being in, in a prosperous community is 
we're not stepping out of our comfort zone and yeah, helping I mean, those in poor. Yeah, I mean, Jesus said, you know, the poor will always be with you. Well, that's not an excuse, it's a challenge, Yeah. right? Yeah. That, that's him saying, what are you gonna do about it? Right. How have people been charitable towards you and what kind of effect does that have on, on your life? Well, when you're the recipient of charity, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully you, 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 you appreciate it, number one, yeah. and you see how important it is and that love that someone shared with you, it makes it that much easier to do that. I, m- my wife passed away a few years ago and in my word, um, I, mean, I was getting two or three meals a day. And I had to invite my kids over to eat the food because I couldn't eat it. And it was just like, I couldn't throw it away because everybody just kept bringing me food. And, uh, and at first it was a little embarrassing. Well, well, I'm a capable man, I can do this. But um, it made me want to do the exact same thing to somebody else. So it was a great experience to be the recipient because it changed my heart. And now I feel almost an obligation to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it didn't do any bad things as far as my, my love and appreciation for my neighbors. Well, that reminds me of a really great quote from President Gordon B. Hinckley, where he talked about this very thing. He said, I'm confident that a time will come for each of us when whether because of sickness or infirmity, of poverty or distress, of oppressive measures against us by man or nature, we shall wish for mercy. And if through our lives we have granted mercy to others, we shall obtain it for ourselves. And that's so true. I mean, Obadiah says the same thing. Uh, we haven't talked much about Obadiah today, but, but he says the same thing in verse 15. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Right? It's a golden rule. Right. right? And, right. and so, so as President Hinckley says, I mean, we're all going to be in that position at yeah. some point where we need to receive as well as to give. And what a wonderful world to live in if that was the case, that we were giving and taking it all the time. Yeah. Another thing about receiving is that to me, it made me more grateful and strengthened my testimony of my Savior because it's the answer to prayer. Yeah. Sorry, um, I had this happen. I had somebody show up at my doorstep, and you know what? I just wanted to come give you a hug. What a wonderful yeah. testimony, you know, the ability of testimony of my Savior listens to me. He knows I'm here. So you want to allow people to do that because it's the Savior answering your prayers, and he's showing his love for you. And uh, who wants to deny anybody that? Thank you so much, Doug. I would love to hear from the audience on uh, when have you been the recipient of someone else's charity? Linda. Yeah, the other day, well, it's been a couple of weeks ago, I went to the bank and I was in my 30-year-old car and there was, it wasn't a very busy time of day. And so I went into the bank and I came out and on the, t- the top of my car was this vase with flowers in it. And I looked at it because there was only a couple of other cars in there. I was so, and I, I think I was not having a good day that day. And I was just so thrilled about that. And then I glanced over in the car and there was a car there with an older couple. And you could see that there, the lady had some real severe health problems. And the smile that she had on her face gave me joy, not only for receiving the flowers, but that it brightened up her day Mm -hmm. at the same time. And so I came out of the bank really wealthy to see the flowers and also someone to do such kind thing and to see her her whole countenance cheer up when she saw mine. It was just a really neat experience for me. 
And how interesting, you know, as we're talking about charity, coming out of the bank, yeah, <laughs> yeah. receiving a yeah. charitable gift. And, and I love, Linda, how you mentioned that you came out of that bank wealthy. I did. Not monetarily, yeah. but in the idea that you received such a beautiful That's gift true. from somebody. That's right. Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited, you know, as we move into footnotes, uh, to get into some more of the details of charity and to hear more about Doug and, and your work with charity. And for the audience, thank you so much. You gave some really great comments and helped us increase our understanding and the importance of charity as we talked about our second topic, caring for those in need. What I learned today was that nobody knew who Amos was. He just came out from nowhere. No one knew where he came from, and all of a sudden he's here prophesying. I actually didn't know that Amos was a shepherd, and it reminded me of the nativity story, how um, the angels didn't just go to like kings and queens and all these amazing people. They went to shepherds and people with humble beginnings. Heavenly Father called him, so from meek and humble beginnings, he does it once again. He brings you to serve. And I think that Amos is a great example of that. I think it's so cool that all these people are coming from humble beginnings, so like anyone can impact others around them. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. Uh, we're excited we get to welcome another guest uh, to the show today, uh, Amy Antonelli. Amy, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Amy, um, we, uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about um, some of the stuff you do for your work and uh, specifically how uh, it fits in with what we're talking about today. So would you mind just giving us a little introduction on who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I run a nonprofit organization called Humanitarian Experience. Um, it was formerly known as HEFY. We just recently changed the nickname to HXP. But we take uh, 5,000 kids this summer out um, across the world to do humanitarian work to about 60 global locations. How long do they go for? What kind of projects do they do? Yeah, so they go for two and a half weeks. We make sure the projects are sustainable. So typically they go to places where they don't have access to healthcare or education. We build schools and clinics for the most part. Um, we make sure that we work with organizations that can keep them running afterwards so the kids actually really make an impact. I love that. And, and Doug, you've talked a little bit about some of the stuff that you do. Do you mind giving us a little bit more detail on the work that you do and, you know, and kind of uh, how it relates to what Amy's doing. Our focus is working with the locals. Everything has to be done with the locals. Mm. It's not parachute medicine. We don't bring doctors in and take off because they don't know the language, the culture, the, you know, the, the pathology in that country. Whereas the locals, they know it really well. And they know the people that need the help. Okay. They know that don't need the help. They know the communities we should be going to. So we focus on finding humanitarians, doctors that want to help their, their own countrymen. And we just help them in putting together a program that works. Now, I'm, I'm curious on, um, do you get stories of the ones that you take with you on how that changes them when they get back? Oh, yeah. We have a, um, our trip leaders, when they come back, will just make notes about every, we call them builders, every builder that was on our trip. Um, and sometimes if the builder struggled or had a hard time, the trip leader will make a note about that. And so if the builder comes back the next year, we have a little note here that said that that builder kind of struggled. And so that actually happened a couple of years ago. We had a girl that tried to sign up and a little note popped up saying that she had a pretty hard time on her trip. And so I called her um, dad and I just said, does she really want to come or are you just forcing her to go on this trip? <laughs> and he actually started to cry. And he said, can I just tell you a story? And he said... My daughter had been so bullied, actually, by some of the kids in her own ward. 
that she didn't want to have anything to do with a faith-based humanitarian project, which is what we are. We're nonprofit, but we're very aligned with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so we're very faith-based. We study the scriptures and we have the kids give devotionals. Anyway, she didn't want anything to do with that. And when she first went on her trip, she really struggled. I mean, she was tough and aloof and didn't want to have anything to do with the group and tried really hard to kind of sabotage it. Um, but something happened during the course of the two weeks that she was out there where she was just working as hard as she can and feeling just this unconditional love from the people that she was serving. And this sweet dad, he, he said, we went to the airport to pick her up and we watched her coming down that elevator. And as soon as we saw her, we knew we had our daughter back. He said her face was just different. And he said, ever since then, she's been a different person. He said, she cares, all she cares about is giving and helping other people. And he's like, we're so excited. She can't wait to go back this next summer. Very cool. so. Well, and the thing is, especially this generation. So, you know, I mean, they want to change the world, right? I mean, yeah, they, 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 it's one of the generational sure. traits, right? They want to yeah. make a positive difference in the world. Sometimes they're skeptical of organized religion's totally. ability to do it, right? A or cynical. A cynical yeah. even, right? And, and so when we can do what Amos calls us to do, what mm -hmm. all the prophets, you know, to show this is the heart of religion, totally. right? When we've been doing all this stuff, maybe some of these bad experiences that you've had, right? Come and see what religion is really all about and what we can do when we do it together. That's right? That. And, and, and get dirty doing yeah. it. Yeah, right, get, right. Get, you know, really, it's right. not write the check. Although, thank you. I mean, we love the checks. <laughs> yeah. Because right. it needs, but, but if when you can, get involved and, and sac really sacrifice. Get out of your comfort That's zone. So I, yeah, I, it needs to hurt a little. Yeah. It I, needs I, to, a sacrifice has to be part of it. So when, so when I uh, lived in Egypt, I taught at a university there. And uh, so I was, I was teaching a, a class and, and I incorporated a service learning component. It was a class about civil rights. But there in Egypt, I mean, there's some of the biggest slums in the world, right? And most of my students were, were very well off. They came from wealthy parents. And they lived there in Cairo, but they'd never stepped foot in any of these neighborhoods, in any of these slums. So we went in and partnered with, with one of the local charities in this. And, and I took all my students in and we taught literacy classes and we painted and cleaned up. It was just for a semester. It wasn't, mm. you know, but, but for, for these students, they had never set foot in some of these places, right? They, they didn't know that in their own city, wow. There were people living like this with no electricity, no running water in their own city, you know, even just a, a mile away from where they lived in opulence, wow. right? So sometimes it's just helping somebody able to see what other people's lives right. are like, and then, and then hopefully that gives them a, a awakens them. You've mm -hmm. done stuff locally too. It's not just around the world, right? It's, no, it's, it's one of my favorite things actually about President Nelson. He's Literally, President Nelson's about two things, love God, love people. <laughs> but I love the simplicity that he's driving at home with all the time. Love God, love people. And I feel like he's asked every single one of us to start first with really understanding God, who we are in the light of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, and then to take that and with that to do what he does, which is to love other people. So Amy, I love how you, you've really just brought together these two topics, you know, of following a prophet and the truths that he reveals and you know, this idea and there's this encouragement for us to, to care for those uh, that are in, they're in need. And we have a responsibility, you know, as, as Christians, you know, Absolutely. that if we profess to be children of God, as we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, this is what we're being asked to do. And frankly, that's where the gospel becomes so fun mm -hmm. because you fall in love with this idea that it's not just about me and this square box I have to you know, fit into the mm -hmm. commandments and 
it's like once you get that, the commandments become fun because you're like, oh, this is my roadmap to becoming like my heavenly father and really who I'm supposed to be. And then you, all you want to do is share that with others, right? That's what happens in the scriptures yeah. over and over. Yeah, and the gospel becomes the fuel to like, yeah. you know, like the rocket totally. fuel, you know, it's the so power, energizing. what you want to do and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I love when you, you mentioned about the kids going out and making these things happen. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about charity and, and what we learn as we go and we interact with other people is that we, we learn that we can make a difference. Yeah. And once you realize that you can make a difference, totally then you're willing to stick your neck out and do it again and again. But I, th- I think we need to teach our children and, our, and remind ourselves that we can make a difference. I can make a difference in that person's life. Yeah. All I have to do is put out a hand or say a Smile. nice word or yes. do whatever. I, and, and once you realize that you can make a difference, then you're more likely to do it. It gives you the confidence. And I think that's what you teach these kids and sure. what we've taught my kids. Wow, I can make a difference in someone's life. So I think this mentality of getting out of ourselves, we're so focused on, you know, how many likes am I getting on my page? Or, you know, just the, the, we're so focused on ourselves um, that I feel like we lose sight of humanity. And just how little acts like that can make a huge difference in somebody's day on both ends, you know, whether you do it or you don't do it. And it can be a huge ripple effect if we can do it properly. Mm -hmm. It's actually interesting that you mentioned that, that, I used to work for Facebook and I feel like my penance now is doing this work with kids because it's like it's like a digital we have we call it a digital detox they're without their phones the whole time for oh, two and, and a half weeks and honestly it creates this space where it's sometimes for the first time in their lives they're actually able to see themselves for who they really are and to connect with God in ways that they've never been able to do with all, all that noise that's coming at them. And when they're doing it coupled with like this incredible effort to serve other people and to just see see other people for who they really are, that changes their lives forever. And that's when two years later, they're still trying to figure out how to do service every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have some really cool objects here. <laughs> and uh, these aren't just for decoration. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about some of these, uh, you know, what we have in front of us? And Yeah, I want, I want to hear about these because there's stories behind these, Well, right? you know, we've kind of touched on this one already. This, this is uh, taking my, my kids to uh, Kenya when they were younger. And, and them on that trip realizing that they can make a difference in mm-hmm. someone's life. And they, and they connected, you know, you think, this foreign child, another kid that I have nothing in common with. Well, you have a lot more in common than you think. They just don't have the Nintendo and the nice <laughs> clothes and things. And they, by the end of the time, they were, you know, trading, trading a baseball cap for a toy. No way. And that's, that's and, cool. and but they would come back, and my kids would just say, "I can't believe how happy these kids are," and they don't have anything. It's a perspective mm-hmm. that they need to get, and this idea, hopefully, that they can make a change, make a difference in someone else's life. That was that was that one. Uh, this other piece I have um, really is hitting on the idea of service at home and even within your own home. Uh, this this is a special piece to me uh, um, because I was very uh, lonely and sad when my wife died, and my, I remember my sister gave this to me. I mean, it's just and here again, she had the confidence to, to know that she could make a difference, so she stuck her neck wow. out, and she just gave me this, and she said. Whenever you're feeling alone, you know, put this in your pocket and just feel it. And just, it'll remind you that Sharon loves you still. And she's in heaven loving you at that moment. And so I carried this around with me for months. And uh, I would just, every once in a while, just put my hand in my pocket and feel that, this little heart and remind myself. And, and I would think of my sister at the same time and say, ah, 
I love her, you know? That's Thank so you for giving me something like that when I needed it. And uh, so there's opportunities to serve even within the walls of your own home. And it doesn't have to be anything special. I'm not sure where she got this. <laughs> I'm not sure if she did made it up as soon as she gave it to me, but it, it did make a difference. And, uh, and so I wanted to just share that with opportunities abound to help and serve other people. That's great, because I think sometimes we don't feel like, well, I have to go do something really big you know, to be able to make an impact. What a great example of how those little things mean so much sometimes. Just having the confidence to get out of yourself yeah, and, yeah. and go and help some, see somebody that needs help and help them. Yeah. All right, what else? What okay, else so what we have here, so, so we need to open to Amos to, okay. to, to, to make sense of, of what's going on here. So, so go to uh, Amos chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. It says, Thus you shewed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, he's very observant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I said, a plumb line. And, and the Lord said, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. Okay, so what is, what is a plumb line? This is a plumb line. I mean, this is actually just a necklace, but it, 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 acts, it's, as a plumb it acts as a plumb line. A plumb, a plumb line is something that they would use in ancient times when they're building a wall to make it straight. Right? Uh, I mean, you know, I do this all the time when I'm like hanging a picture. Is that straight, or yeah. is it, you know, or, or you're doing something, and and so it's you just hang it, and if and if it hangs vertically, right, you, you know, you've got a, a, a straight, you know, wall. Okay. And and the Lord said, this one I'm going to give you because I now today we have levels, right? And so so we can I don't know if this table's flat or not, but but, but we we can tell. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, right? Pretty level. And so it it serves the same purpose. Is it straight? Is it vertical? Is is it sound? Because you don't want crooked walls. You don't want other things like this. You need they needed a plumb line to know whether they're straight. And and so I think this applies to to both of our topics today. Both you know so so the prophets can serve as a plumb line, right? The prophets can help mm. us know are 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 mm -hmm. we straight? Are we sound? Uh, structurally, but of course, our our greatest plumb line um, is Jesus Christ, right? To to know whether our lives, you know, are are in line with what we're supposed to be doing. Are our lives, you know, it, it, it's reading the scriptures. One of the things it does is it's it's like putting a level on our life, right? And and saying, are we level? Are are we supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing? And and for me in terms of this topic that we've been talking about, I come back to, to the Savior's description of his own mission. And this is in uh, Luke chapter four. This is when he first announced his messiahship, uh, when he began his mission. And he was actually quoting Isaiah. But he says this in Luke chapter four, verse 18, he stood in the synagogue in Nazareth. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, mm -hmm. to set at liberty them that are bruised. Mm -hmm. That was Jesus's mission. He fulfilled it perfectly. If we're disciples of Jesus, if we're the church of Jesus, if, if, if we're the, the people of Jesus Christ, then that's our level, right? Mm -hmm. this, this verse, his life, his ministry, that's the level to know whether our lives are straight. I love that. I love that too, that actually, segues perfectly into what I was going to talk about with my globe here. <laughs> um, one of the things that I feel like I've learned most doing humanitarian work over the last 25 years is the power that we have when we do it collectively. So yes, individually, there's an incredible power. We can make a difference one by one. But when we come together as a group, whether it's a small group of kids like we take, 
um, all over the world or whether it's collectively as a church, as, a, as the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I truly believe there's no limit to what we can do to solve some of the world's biggest problems. When we were, I had an um, experience a few years ago, I was visiting a group in Tonga, actually, and um, I got one of the worst calls that I've, had, I've gotten since I started doing this work. Um, one of the, I got a phone call saying that um, I had two kids, a brother and a sister, who were on a trip in Mexico, and their parents had been killed that morning in a plane crash. And I had to make the phone call to let these kids know that their parents had been killed. And so um, there was a stake president on the work site, and he stopped the work in Tonga, and he gathered all the kids and all the workers and everybody that was there in the neighborhood. And he had us all kneel down and, and just say a prayer for these kids in Mexico. And before I did, I sent a little text to the trip leaders all over the world who had little groups of kids out serving everywhere in, in the world. We sat down and this beautiful stake president gave this beautiful prayer on behalf of these kids that he'd never met. And as I stood up, one by one, these texts started coming in, like prayers from Peru, prayers from Kenya, prayers from Cambodia. And I just had this vision of like all over the world, these groups of 19 kids kneeling down and praying for these kids that they never met who were experiencing the worst moment of their life. And that the collective power of love that that was happening all over the world is, is something that I think is the catalyst for the greatest miracles that we see. And that's what Christ's mission was, to heal the brokenhearted. So. That's amazing. Was there a, a point in a time where something just triggered, where it's like, this is what I'm gonna do? Like, why do you have such a passion for this? And when did that start? Yeah, no, I mean, if you would have asked me growing up what I was gonna do, I would have told you in four seconds I was gonna be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. That was never, having sort of a career that I've had has never been something that was on my radar. This moment, I think it was such a gift that God gave me to tell me that I had my own, Elder Maxwell calls it a customized curriculum my life was gonna be different than what I thought it was gonna be. And I think um, for me, he knew that in order to become the woman that I was created to become, that I, I needed to have some experiences that um, would help me to become that woman before I had the chance to have children. And I'm so excited for the day that I'm gonna have children, I can't wait. But I also feel like I've been given this unbelievable gift of being able to be sort of a mother figure, mm -hmm. you know, to kids and people in, in places all over the world. And it's, it's so easy for me to understand that God has a plan for me that is bigger than what I can see at this moment, but that includes loving God's children everywhere I go. And so I kind of feel like I got the best of both worlds. <laughs> I feel like I lucked well, out. Well, I love, too, that, that you didn't, I mean, you have this vision of, of what you, you hope and aim for yeah. and so forth, but, but until that happens, it's not like I'm just going to sit around, I'm right? I'm not sitting I mean, on like, the bench. You, no. no, exactly. You're going out, <laughs> totally. and, and you are touching the lives of thousands totally. of children think, all over the world. I think it's a recipe for depression, and I unfortunately feel like a lot of young women in our church sort of sign up for this oh, I'm not married yet, and so I just have to sort of sit here and wait for my life to start. And I think that's Satan's message. We were sent here to become the people we we're supposed to be. He didn't send me here to sit the bench. Like, get off the bench. <laughs> Go do something. <laughs> I love that. Love that. <laughs> Doug? Well, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the, being able to share something that we haven't talked about, but when I read Amos and Obadiah, 
I was absolutely confused. I couldn't understand the <laughs> word. I read it and I thought, oh my gosh, I told my wife, could you read this for me? And she's like, oh, this is so we confusing. We have to go on TV and talk about I know, it. I, like, right. I didn't understand this. I cheated and went, uh, went to like the uh, new, the new, you know, new language English version, you know. And, <laughs> That's not and, cheating. And I read it and all of a sudden it made, I could understand it, what the gist was. And, and then I had to go back and read it again. And then it made more sense. So just a plug to those people who are like me that, I was totally confused, but <laughs> but but I have it now. I mean, I, I actually have yeah. like like real notes in here that because now I understood it. Well, I mean, dirty little secret. I do the same thing, uh, especially with some of these books that that are uh, we're not familiar with. You know, right? where, where the language can be difficult. I actually oftentimes start my study with modern language translations, and there's so many really good ones out there. And then I come back to the King James, and and I can understand it. Made all I, the difference. I see it. Made right? all the difference. Yeah. There's something that's, that kept jumping out to me in Amos. Uh, and it goes along with what you said exactly. And I had experience with it this week, so I, I had to share it. But in Amos, he talks about how the Lord in chapter 4, he, he lists all these plagues and things. And I don't think this is how it happens in our personal lives. But with a people, I think the Lord is a little more, you know, yeah. willing. And he says, you know, I, I gave it so you didn't have any food to eat. And he says, and ye, ye have not returned unto me. And then I made it so there was no water and there's a drought and you'd not return to me. And he, he gave all these trials that came their way and they never returned to, to, to him. Mm -hmm. And I think um, as we go through trials in our lives and we've all had them, um, I think we need to have a different perspective and say, okay, is this supposed to be teaching me something? I happened to go out to lunch this week with a good friend of mine who, who had the right to complain and, and kind of bemoan his life and Things weren't going well, and it wasn't even his fault, and it was he was struggled and struggled, and yeah. and and these verses, you know, like the, G, the King James version, yeah. ones, you know, yeah. they came to my mind, and I said, I wonder if if your perspective would change if when you look at these trials that have come your way, and when you and when you get on your knees, pray and ask, am I supposed to be learning something from this? Where, how am I supposed to be a better person because these things are upon me? And and I said, it will change. I told him, I said, I. I think that's what we're supposed to do. And it changes your whole perspective as to focusing on, I'm not totally. having the life I wanted to have. And to say, you know, I'm not having a, that's tough, but am I supposed to be learning? What kind of a person do you want me to be, Lord? How can I take these challenges and, and get myself closer to you? Totally. And it actually, it resonated with him. And he, he, he was quite, he liked that, you know. I, yeah. I made a difference. I put my neck out that I can maybe help. <laughs> because here. of Amos. Because of Amos. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and that was, but that was a, a theme that I thought, yeah. really jumped out to me this idea that sometimes trials, sometimes hardships are a great opportunity for us to turn to the Lord Purposeful. and say, totally. yeah, I can, I, can, I can focus on the good. I can focus on me getting better. Totally. I, you're touching lives in, in so many ways by sharing your experiences uh, with us here today. Uh, as we talked about these two wonderful topics, the Lord reveals truth through his prophets and caring for those in need. And thank you all for joining us at home. Uh, we wanna invite you and remind you that throughout this episode, if you have felt something and urged to do something, that you will have the courage to act upon that. Thanks again, and please join us next week for another episode of Come Follow Up. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting. <laughs>